0: Early Tuesday morning, around 2.30, the, you know, heaven has gained a brand new angel. Um, Around that time, uh, Mr. Rodney Lynn Redmill passed away, and (laughs) my life has completely changed since then. Uh, This is a strange thing for me to be doing, uh, recording a podcast and stuff, but for me, this is not an episode of Hammering Down. This is a memorial. This is a memorial of him. Because he he didn't really want a memorial. He didn't want a funeral. He wanted everybody to go on with their life. But I feel like it just wouldn't be right of me to let just let it happen and just not honor him in some way. And every time I would come home and I would come to see my grandparents, He'd always ask me, he, he didn't really understand what a, the idea of a podcast or me talking myself into a microphone for 30 minutes at a time. Didn't really understand it. So I just kind of told him I interviewed people, which is kind of true. And I'd always ask him, he'd be like, how are those interviews going? And I'd always be like, well, they're going really well, I and mean, I think people like it, and I love it, so that's all that matters. And that's all that mattered to him, too. Since I was very young, my grandparents took me in, and they raised me. And every statistic under the book should tell you that I should have been a complete failure and a complete screw-up. But they didn't let that happen. My grandmother, who is still alive, she's still with us, um, she took care of me. And so did my grandfather. My grandfather, Rodney Redmill, was just an absolute amazing man he owned a plumbing company for i think 45 years and there would be times where people couldn't afford to pay him and he would just tell them to pay whatever they can pay in their own time or just do something for him because the world was more than just dollar signs for him even though he was a business owner One of the last things he said before he passed, a couple of days before, is that, you know, we're simple people. We are all simple people. we And we're just here to love each other. That's what we do in this family is we don't keep secrets. And we love each other. And he is a man who showed me how to love. And it was never by telling me. He never told me, like, this is how you treat a woman. This is how you treat friends. I just saw him do it the amount of times I have been told by people around the community in which I grew up oh you know how's your grandfather doing how's Rodney doing did I ever tell you about the time that he pulled me out of a ditch at 3 a.m. or the time that it was that our power went out and he let us use his generator for free and stuff like that you know that's just what he did and that was not an uncommon thing Um he is a kind kind soul a man who overcame a lot overcame his own addictions overcame his own demons and really knew how to look after someone who had who was dealing with those issues i mean he he let me do i say he let me do whatever i wanted whatever made me happy whatever passions it was whether it was baseball whether it was soccer whether it was doing band, which, I mean, I quit baseball to be a band kid, which I'm sure to him was just like, what are you doing? You're a kid. He's, I'm sure in his mind he was like, you're like 15 years old, pumping almost 90. Why are you doing quitting baseball? But he didn't question me. He said, is that really what you want to do? And I said yes, and he let me do it. I went over to band. And I haven't looked back since, and now it's going to be a career of mine. Now here I am, as I always have, love sports. Always love sports. He knows that. I mean, he didn't really care for sports that much, but he would he would learn the ins and outs of sports. He would learn about football. He would learn about baseball. He never really got into soccer, but that's okay. Um, But he would learn the rules. He would learn what's going on. He would learn all the coaches' names, all the players' names, so he could talk to me about it. Because, well, besides music, I mean, sports are a big passion of mine. And he just wanted to be a part of that life with me. Um. Something else is that he would have the hard conversations with me when he had to. It was never a screaming conversation where I was being yelled at and ridiculed. It was the, listen, you need to get your life together. Because, it, I mean... my whole life could have been a complete spiral and a complete just meltdown but i mean he just didn't let it happen he would sit me down and be like you need to get your life together you need to figure out what's going on and hear what you know he would just have it with me he would tell me how it is Um, I distinctly remember I and I was a bad student. I think I'm a fairly intelligent person, but I'm a horrible student i mean lazy and just, I don't do good in school. And he pulled me aside and was like, was like, if you don't get your crap together, you're not going to graduate high school. And at first I thought that was ridiculous because there were so many people who were dumber than me who were going to graduate high school. And then now that I look back at it, he was right. I and mean, he kicked me into high gear, and I, I got going. And, well, believe it or not, I did graduate high school, <laughs> working on doing the whole college thing. You know, that was the stuff that he did. He would tell me how I needed to hear it, because if there is one thing he did, it, it was never sugarcoated. He was going to tell you exactly how you felt, but it, you couldn't be mad at him, because the moment that he was done telling you, he'd always say, I love you, and you just be sitting there like, I love you too. Like, what a guy, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm sure we've all gone through something like this. You know, most of the people who listen to this have probably gone through something like this before, but, you know, it's been really hard, especially someone who is really charitable, a charitable man who, who would give his money, his time, his ear to listen to, a shoulder to cry on. He would just give it. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason I am recording this as well, because he is so charitable. He would give money to the school, he would give money to the band program, he would give money to the baseball team, he would do everything. He would just give and give and give. And... In honor of him, I want to give back. I, I've done stuff before. I raised the money for the tornado stuff. But, you know, that was you guys. That was a lot of you guys who came through and supported. But, you know, I, I want to get a little bit of feedback from you guys who are listening to this. Um, What's a great charity in Birmingham to donate to? I know St. Jude's. I know Children's. I know there are the multiple pride organizations that would need it, but what's something that you know I could give back to, and I could donate it under his name, and let that be his one last donation, his one last charitable deed, because that's what I want to do, and I think that's the best way to honor him, is just to give back, because he gave back to all of us. He gave us so much time and everything. Something else that I think people should know about him is that the man loved his practical jokes and gag gifts. Um, <laughs> he was a plumber, and so, you know, he liked he liked himself some what we all called potty humor. Um, and by that, I mean he literally got my brother a coffee mug that was a toilet bowl. And no... And that he got that from my mom. For my brother. He got him a cuckoo clock. But instead of a cuckoo bird coming out at, you know, every hour, it, it was a toilet that flushed. <laughs> this is the stuff that he liked. And he was so good at finding it. And the thing is, is that until probably about two years ago, he had never discovered the internet. So he was going to stores and finding this stuff somehow. <laughs> you know, just weird weird I don't know how he did it <laughs> I, I will never forget the day I showed up from school and there were faces on the trees he had bought like it had to be 30 of those little face things and put faces on every single tree in the front yard and every tree closest to our house and he thought it was hysterical and it creaked me out which made him <laughs> laugh even harder um, at his what he liked to call his party it was for the rest of us there was a memorial service that he was in attendance for but he called it a party and he was telling everybody he was like I want everybody to bring this I want everybody to bring that Now he was a business owner so he loved to be in control of the situation so he was telling everybody what to do And he basically told us it was a BYOB. Um, And, you know, he doesn't drink alcohol. But we started joking because he said what he wanted to eat for this party was bologna, banana, mayo sandwiches. Not separate things, all together. The bologna, the mayo, and the bananas all together on a sandwich. And so we started saying the BYOB was a bring your own baloney or bring your own bananas, you know, stuff like that. And he thought that was so funny. And he would tell us, at, and like I say, his practical jokes are we had bought all the things. We had bought so much bread, so many bananas, so much baloney for these things. And we also bought some chicken nuggets um, and did not tell him that way we could eat something that was not... Mayo and banana and bologna, because that's disgusting. <laughs> but he pulls us aside and he was like, "You guys know I was joking about that stuff, right?" We're like, "No, no, you did not think that. You did not tell us that." Um, but he was joking apparently, so we did not have to eat them. Another thing that was just an absolute. I mean. <laughs> He, The man hated hospitals. He would do anything to escape. It was a couple of days into the hospital at this last day. And he's like, Kaylor, come here. I said, yes, sir. He was like, I want you to go to the store and I want you to go get me uh, a nail file. That's pretty normal. He wants to file his nails. An emery board, which I'm like, okay, you're already filing your nails, but okay. He said, I want you to go get me some scissors he said good scissors eight inches long i don't want cheap scissors a little strange but okay and finally he wanted (laughs) wd-40 i mean who knows what was really going through his mind at the time i mean he had been in a hospital room and that's all those are the only four walls he had seen For the last, like, 72 or whatever, you know, hours, he was probably going nuts. (laughs) But we all thought that he was just going to, like, grease up the floors so the nurses would slip or he was trying to make his hospital bed roll down the hallway faster and the scissors were to, like, to stab all the nurses that were getting in his way. And we all laughed about, it, and, you know, that was just... (laughs) You know, that's what we laughed about. And some other stuff that happened during this time was, you know, he wasn't allowed to smoke, obviously, in a hospital. And the first cigarette he smoked, and he had gone to smoking a lot to not smoking much, probably like one or two a week. um, But he finally got that first cigarette, and he... And as he excelled, all you heard him say was... Heaven, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's just the stuff he did. That that's Paul Paul, that was Rodney, you know, and it was so so funny to me. And that was my life with him. And that was like every day. He would just he would just show up, make jokes, support you through no matter what you did, and. Family always came first and in these last few years, that's something I struggled with was not putting family first and you know it's really easy to say go love your go hug your loved ones and all that kind of stuff. I in a way we were lucky because he was diagnosed with cancer and then was put into a hospital bed you know he was taken to the hospital to the ICU it's because we knew his days were limited. So I got several goodbyes, and, you know, that's made this a lot easier to deal with. But, man, just take, you know, make the family your biggest priority, some, or your friends, whoever you consider your family. I mean, I consider my friends to be family as well. Um. Overall, you know, our family is, we're hurting, but we also can look back and, on some very fond memories and just laugh and just, you know, think about everything that he did for us, who he did for everybody, and it makes it okay. We can smile and laugh and kind of make fun of him be like, why did he do that? What a weirdo. Why was he such a weirdo? And he was. He was a quirky man. Um, <laughs> one of his, this is the last story, kind of story, I'll let you guys know about him. He just thought the funniest things, just the weirdest things were so funny. And one of them is, well, he had diabetes, so he doesn't have a lot of feeling in like his limbs, especially. And his favorite thing to do was our dog, you know, basically his dog, always said it was my dog, but it was really his dog, uh, Joy, she's a little Cocker Spaniel, did not like being woken up in the middle of the night. And what he would do is while she was sleeping, he would tickle her feet to make her mad and because he thought it was so funny whenever she went to go bite him <laughs> because no one wants their feet tickled in the middle of the night while they're sleeping you know i would have bit him too <laughs> but he would always he would always do that to her and she'd always bite him and then she would end up biting him but he couldn't feel it which is why he still thought it was funny because it's like i was like paul ball you got bit and he was like i can't feel it and <laughs> i don't know it's just what he did it's just what he did um, you know, like I said, I'm just sharing this with you guys. Cause this is my, this is my memorial to him. This is going to be my way of remembering him from, you know, him taking me out to my first t-ball practice, then yanking me off the field because I was well, a young child who couldn't stay focused and he hated it to him you know, taking me down to the basketball courts when I first got into basketball, him getting me baseball lessons and teaching me how to pitch, to getting me, we us getting my first French horn, well, my only French horn I've ever bought, but him supporting that and him supporting every decision I made along the way. And I wouldn't be here in the position I'm in right now if it wasn't for him supporting me and telling me to do whatever I wanted to make me happy because in the end money only gets you so far and that's what he's basically did that's why he showed us in his entire life where he could have been a real scrooge and just told people oh you want my help well you'll have to pay for it but that's not why he wanted he just wanted people to be happy and he wanted to be there for people and that's something I want to take away from this whole situation. And something I need to remember more is that sometimes you just need to, you just need to love people. You need to just let them know and forget about the money. Whatever is going to make you happy is the most important thing because money runs out eventually. You know, money doesn't follow you to the grave, but as he passed, um, you know, the one thing that i that's gonna stick with me. It's the last time I saw him before he passed. He had a grin on his face, he had a smile on his face. And it didn't matter if we were dirt poor, if we we're multimillionaires, I feel like that smile would have been there no matter what. So make the best of it. But yeah, this that's about all I have to talk about. I mean I could talk about him all day long, but I don't think you guys would care and this isn't really for you guys for me but I want to share this story I want people to hear about him because almost all of you haven't had the chance to meet him but I want you guys to get a little taste of who he is and who he was but thank you guys so much for listening and hearing me ramble and talk about this um thank you and Go hug your loved ones. And yeah, thank you.